So as I mentioned earlier on, we're going to be starting a new series today and we are calling it The Return. And in it we'll be primarily looking at God's people coming back from the period of exile and resettling in the land and rebuilding all of that which was destroyed when they were taken captive. And although we'll be looking at a section in Jeremiah today, we'll be primarily looking at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament that chart some of this journey of God's people returning from exile. But of course, as you can probably gather in that, we'll be thinking also about our own process of return as a church, especially just now as we are in a season when restrictions are being lifted and when many of our lives may start to return in some ways to something like they were before COVID-19. And actually today, it just so happens that we'll begin by looking at the same chapter, Jeremiah 31, that Wes led us in thinking through last week. We'll be thinking about a slightly earlier part of it and coming from a bit of a different angle, but I do hope still that our time in God's Word will be really helpful. Well, please feel free to pause this just now and get a Bible and look along with us this morning if that is helpful. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 1 to 14, and that will be read out for us just now. Jeremiah 31, verses 1 to 14. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the gods of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favour in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob, shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labour, a great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble, because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in the distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hands of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. Amen. Well, I want to just begin this morning with a very simple statement that I think captures so much biblical truth in it, and it's this. With God, there is always hope. I want us to hear that this morning, no matter what we are facing just now, no matter how big or seemingly insurmountable the issues or the problems in our life 
may be with God, there is always hope. Whether it's physical health issues, whether it's depression or anxiety or things like our mental health that just don't seem to be resolved, whether it's messy relationship issues, or whether it's even private sin that you've been seeking to deal with but are feeling overcome by. Or even if it's just the ongoing challenges of a global pandemic, lockdown, and all the things that go with it. With God, there is always hope. One of my favourite parts of the book of Psalms is in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, where it says that weeping may last for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. In other words, with God, there is always hope. The best is always yet to come with God. And that has always been my experience right throughout my Christian life. And actually, this is exactly what we see in the chapter that we're looking at today. If you had to sum up the message of Jeremiah chapter 31, this is what it would be. With God, there is always hope. This was a message in Jeremiah 31 that came to God's people in the early part of their exile. And therefore, maybe when they were feeling the most raw. If you remember, they had been captured and taken away from their homeland and all the things that they would have been familiar with. All of their culture would have been lost. They would no doubt have been separated from their friends, their family, their loved ones. And as well as all this, they would have lost so much of their regular worship routines and rhythms. No longer could they go to the temple anymore. No longer could they celebrate all the festivals. No longer could they take part in the sacrifices that they would normally offer as part of their worship and devotion to God. All of these things had been lost. And it wasn't like they were just in exile for maybe a, a year or two, a short spell. This was 70 years that they spent in a foreign land. And you'll probably have picked up that we've talked a lot about exile in recent months as a church. And that's because it probably is the time in the Bible that best sums up where we are just now as God's people. And not just in God's people, but even in general as a society. What many of us are feeling like. That feeling of being away from normal routines, away from our loved ones, separated, isolated, and longing to return to what we know. You'll have picked it up from almost everyone that we did in our street interviews this morning. But what we see in the verses that were read out for us is that into this situation of exile, to the darkness and the bleakness of it all, the national despair, God spoke hope through his prophet Jeremiah. Hope for lots of different things as we'll look at this morning, but ultimately hope that again they would return. And so what I've picked out this morning are almost like the hope highlights within Jeremiah 31. And these are the specific promises of God relating to his people's eventual return from their period of exile. So if you've got a Bible, please look on with us. We'll have it on the screen as well, though. And our first hope highlight this morning comes from verses 3 and 4 of Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's read these words. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Here's the important bit. 
I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels. That was like tambourines, if you don't know. You will take up your timbrels, and you will go out to dance with the joyful. This was God saying to his people, not only did he still love them with this everlasting, eternal love, but also that rebuilding was coming. That in the process of God's people returning, God was going to allow the ruins of Jerusalem to be rebuilt, the walls to be rebuilt, the temple to be rebuilt. But not only that, he was going to allow his people spiritually to be rebuilt as well. No matter how much they were torn down and weak, battered and bruised by all of the events leading up to the exile and by the exile itself, no matter how much mourning there had been, he was going to rebuild them, both physically and spiritually. And this rebuilding was going to be to such an extent that they would get their tambourines out and dance for joy. So that's the first highlight. God's people were going to be rebuilt. The second thing we see in this section is in verse 8. God says, See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. And among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labour. A great throng will return. And we'll touch upon the second part of that a little bit later on. In other words, what God was saying in this first part here was that he would gather his people back together again. And that he would bring them back from all the different corners that they had been scattered to because of their exile. You see, what had happened was eventually God's people weren't just in Babylon. They weren't just taken to Babylon. But Babylon was invaded again by another superpower, the Persian Empire. And they were taken over. So it's thought that God's people may even have been uprooted from Babylon and taken to other parts of the world as well. Parts that the Persian Empire would also have conquered. So it wasn't like they were all just sitting together in Babylon, having their own wee enclave or anything like that. Instead, they were dispersed all over different parts of the known world at that point. And therefore, there was this huge physical separation taking place to people who had only ever really known what it was to be together and to be together in one place, whether it was in Egypt or in the desert or then in the promised land, a people who always knew what it was to be together. But that was God's second word of hope, that he was going to regather them back to where they were before to that specific place, to the promised land which had been given to them. Well, just one more hope highlight I'd like us to think about that runs through this chapter. God says this to his people in verses 13 and 14, just the last couple of verses that we read from. God says, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. And these first words here 
are quite familiar to us as they appear quite a number of times in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Isaiah, notably in Isaiah chapter 61. And sometimes when we talk about verses like this, we speak about them as a divine exchange, when God gives something to his people to replace something else that they might be feeling or they might be experiencing. In this case, it is gladness instead of mourning, and sadness instead of sadness, comfort and joy. Now I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. You can see the parallels for us as we return. And I really don't want to try and squeeze Jeremiah 31 into our context today and make it say something that it isn't. But I really believe that some of these hope highlights that we've touched upon already can be for us too. I'm quite sure that as we think about our return, we'll see that in all the ways that we have been weakened and battered over the last 12 months, with many of us having our mental health really suffering, God will rebuild us once more. And not only that, that he would continue to rebuild us physically, spiritually, emotionally, but he would continue to build his church. In fact, I'm convinced that when we get back together again, whenever that might be, that actually we'll see that God has built his church despite what we have went through over this past 12 months, because he is God at the end of the day, and he does much more than we can even begin to imagine. And I'm also sure that he will draw us back together for gathered times. Look, there will inevitably be changes to a landscape as a church and changes to the ways that we worship together. But I do believe and I'm convinced that God longs for his people to be together physically. There is absolutely nothing that matches that. No online service or nothing. And I'm sure you'd probably all agree with that. And so much of Jesus' ministry modelled that. His ministry was based on physical close proximity to people, being able to place hands on people, gathering, being together, having meals, having table fellowship with people that he got to meet. Gathering, being together in community is important to God. And lastly, in the same way as exile would have been incredibly tough for God's people, this has been a really difficult time for so many of us. I really I sense that as I meet people and I talk to them, even in the street interviews that we did this morning. But God's desire is never that we remain in a place of sorrow or in a place of mourning, but always that he would give to us, he would exchange the mourning and the sadness in our lives for his restoration, for the joy and the comfort and the peace that only he can bring. So once again, I say to us this morning that no matter how we might feel right now, and no matter how the last 12 months has been for us, with God, there is always hope. Well, there's just one final thing that I'd like us to focus on today that features in this chapter. And that's something that we pick up in verse 8. I'll read it for us again just now. God says, See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. And among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labour. A great throng will return. And what we see in this statement, in this verse here, is that included 
in God's rebuilding and his regathering and all the ways that he was going to restore his people again, included in that were those on the margins, the blind and the lame, and also those who would have been perceived to be in need of more care and more support from the community of faith, expectant mothers and women in labour. And here we just see in this verse something of God's heart for the excluded and the marginalised and the least and the last and the lost, something that we speak about a lot as a church. As a church today, as we think about our return, I'd like us to ask this question. Who in our community or even beyond has been most affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown and all these types of things that have went with it? Who are the people, just like here in verse 8, that we need to include in our thinking as we start to return to more regular rhythms of life and of worship? You know, as we met a few weeks ago as a ministry team, we thought about some of the people and the groups in our community that may have been excluded or pushed to the margins because of COVID-19. And I'm sure you'll be able to think of even more, but here are some of the groups and the people that we thought of. Firstly, we thought of those who are digitally excluded. You know, we so often talk about the fact that everything has moved online. Well, for so many people, they haven't been able to move online because they don't have the right technology, or they don't have Wi-Fi in their houses, or they don't have the tech know-how to be able to set up Zoom on their phone. They're digitally excluded. We also, as a ministry team, thought about those suffering with mental health. You know, everything that we read in the news seems to suggest that we were already on the verge of a mental health epidemic before COVID-19. So we can only really begin to imagine what things will be like after the dust has settled. We also thought about the children and young people, particularly those in our community in Parkhead and Toll Cross. Now there are so many ways that children and young people have been prioritised, and rightly so, but there has been real loss for children in the midst of all of this. So many have had to withdraw from their relationships that are so important in these young years and perhaps be at home more in family situations that aren't always positive. We also thought about those at risk of exploitation. I'm sure we all know that in our community here in the east end of Glasgow that human trafficking is a reality. And sadly, the figures suggest that this last year, rather than in a time where this has been something that has decreased, it has actually been something that has increased in our world and has actually just went more out of sight than perhaps it was before. Well, with all these groups of people that I've just mentioned and the ones that you can probably think of in your head just now, the question is how can we include them and support them as we think about our return. Just as God longed to include the blind and the lame and those expectant mothers and those women in labour, how can we include those who are on the margins or in need of more care in our community? Firstly, how can we include them as a church? Now you'll sense here that I don't have all the answers, 
But I'm just putting these questions out just now so that we can all think of them together. How can we include them as a church in all that we plan, in all of our groups and activities? How can we make our buildings available for these groups to have access as things start to go back to normal? But also as individuals. It would be the easiest thing in the world for us just to return to the same rhythms of hospitality that we were in before. Perhaps spending time with the same people in the same types of places. But can we also make sure that we keep an eye out and include those people who for the last 12 months this has been such a time of sorrow and pain. A time of isolation beyond perhaps what we can imagine. How can we show them Christ's hospitality and love? How can we include them in our lives and in the lives of our families? Well, as we close this morning, I'd like us just to take a moment to pray. As I said, I don't have the answers on this kind of stuff, but I'd like us to pray and ask God that he would help us to discern and act in these things. So let's do that just now. Lord, would you show us those people in our communities, those people for whom the last 12 months has been a time of particular challenge. Those in our churches, those in our streets, our neighbours, Lord, perhaps even in our wider families. God, would you bring them to our minds. God, would you show us who they are, we pray. And Lord, would you prompt us by your Holy Spirit living within us to reach out to them and to include them, to demonstrate the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ towards them, we pray. Lord, may this season of life, tough as it's been even for us, Lord, would it increase our awareness of the needs in our communities? Would we more and more be people that don't just think about ourselves, but have our hearts broken for the needs of others in our world. And Lord, through all of this, would we see more and more people come to know that you are God and that with you there is always hope. Amen.